السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين My beloved brothers and sisters, I'm so happy and excited to see this beautiful gathering of brothers and sisters here in the amazing city of Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. May Allah Almighty protect all of us, protect this nation, its rulers, its leaders, and may Allah Almighty protect the Muslim Ummah. And may He grant us goodness across the globe. You and I know we are in the blessed month of Ramadan. This month is unique. It's absolutely amazing. From the moment it starts, we already feel rejuvenated. And Allah Almighty has given us so much of goodness that the blessings are felt, the mercy is felt, the need within ourselves to change, to do something good. All of that is felt instantly. We thank Allah Almighty for giving us this month. I was sitting and thinking, Imagine if we did not have a month of Ramadan in the year. There would be something wrong with our spirituality, with our connection with Allah. We would not be able to connect in the way we are connecting right now. Humankind needs from time to time some form of boost to be able to reconnect with his or her maker. Subhanallah. If you don't have that in the form of reminders, in the form of revelation being recited to you, in the form of a small daily dose, perhaps a slightly bigger weekly dose, and thereafter a even bigger monthly dose and an even bigger annual dose. Subhanallah. That is what Allah has prescribed. You know, if you look at the Muslim, every day we have small doses. You're supposed to start off the day with a little recitation of the Quran, some form of reminder, some form of goodness. And Allah Almighty will always bless your day when you've started it in the right direction. That may not be compulsory as I've said it, but what is compulsory is to start off with your prayer. What is the prayer early in the morning? You get up and you fulfill what is known as Salatul Fajr. Salatul Fajr is so important, my beloved brothers and sisters. Would you like to hear the importance given by Allah Almighty to the two units preceding the compulsory units of Fajr? Fajr is made up of how many units? Four units. Raka'at. Two of them are Sunnah and two of them are Farad. Sunnah meaning they are voluntary but important because the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, gave them importance. And thereafter, the two units that are compulsory are that which you are not allowed to miss at all. The importance I want to start off with is that of the two units pre the compulsory ones. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, may peace be upon him, says in a hadith, Rak'ata al-fajri khayrum min dunya wa ma fiha. Subhanallah. You know how powerful is this narration? It means the two units, and we're not talking about the compulsory ones, the two units of prayer preceding the compulsory two of Fajr are more greater in value than the whole world and whatever it contains. 
You know, when you're young or you're not so religious or you're not spiritual in any way, you're not connected with Allah, you might not understand the value of this. But when you have a slight connection with Allah and you make an effort to make those two units and to take your time with them, Wallahi, you feel your entire life change. It will change. You're a happier person. You look forward to things. You're much more positive. You rely more greatly on Allah Almighty. Your reliance becomes stronger and stronger. You begin to realize that everything belongs to Allah. I belong to Allah. The day belongs to Allah. Allah did not just create all creatures that we see. He's created something we don't see, but we feel. And what is it? Time. Time is a creature of Allah. If I tell you, do you see time? You say, no, but I feel it. I mean, it moves, you know, it goes. That maybe one might say the sun goes up and down and the moon does too and so on. You don't see the time unless you look at your clock. You might see your clock move, but it's time. Time is something that is priceless. It will never come back. When your clock ticks, the second will never return. So use it wisely. If Allah has given so much of importance to two units of Fajr, Wallahi, my brothers and sisters, make an effort to fulfill it. Not just in Ramadan because you're awake. I know of people in Ramadan who will get up for food, but they won't pray after that. May Allah grant us ease. Imagine. They'll get up for suhoor. Why? Because there's something nice there. Or they know, hey, I'm not going to survive. You, that temporary survival, how on earth can you give up your relationship with Allah? You want the goodness of this world, fair enough, but not at the price of the eternal goodness that you and I are living for, basically. We're looking forward to it. This world is filled with disaster, with problem, with difficulty, with hardship, with calamity, with tests, one after the other. That's the whole reason Allah created you and I. We used to say, Allah's created you to test you. People used to argue and say, but why would he do that? It's proof and it's evidence. There is enough evidence in your lives and mine to prove that that is so true. Whose life from among you who are here is going as he or she would like in every aspect? Not one. Not one. It goes according to what Allah wants. Everything that happens in your life is part of a plan that Allah has chosen for you. It's a test for you and for others around you, depending on what exactly you're going through. Someone is hurting you, harming you, swearing you, abusing you. The test is for you, how you're going to react. And the test is for them, why they're doing that and when it will stop and how it will stop or whether they will wait for the punishment of Allah to overtake them and so on. So the test is on all sides. People say, why is a little child suffering? Well, they are suffering, number one, Yes, it is a test for those who are allowing that suffering, for those who've let it happen. It's a test for those who are not reaching out to the child to try and alleviate the suffering of the child. And at the same time, it is Allah's plan. After all, we're all going to return to Allah. This world, if I were to ask you, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? What would you say? What's the worst thing that could happen to you right now? What would you say? Many people would say, well, if I get news of the death of a loved one, Possible. Or if I die. The worst thing that could happen to me right now is if I die. That's what many people would say. To be honest with you, that's not the worst thing. The worst thing is if you die in a condition where you have no relationship with what's to come after that. That's the worst thing. Imagine you're going to on a holiday. You have not booked your hotel. You have not booked your accommodation. You don't even know what's going to happen. No food is 
organized. You don't even know what's going to happen there, what is available, what is not available. Do you even have the money or the currency of that country and so on? Nothing. And you're flying there. Come on, come on, come on. Would you do that? Nobody. Even the wealthiest of the wealthy would not do that. They would make sure we're flying out to the Maldives, subhanallah. So what should we do? Let's arrange our accommodation. We're going to stay there. Check it out on Google. You send the links to all your family who are going to join you. And even those not, you might start putting it on Instagram and everywhere else because you're going for a two-week holiday. Big deal. Big deal. Big deal. Subhanallah. But you made the arrangements for food, for everything. It's all there. Superb. What about your eternal life to come? Why don't you start showcasing that and telling people this is Jannah, this is what I want. How you will achieve it is by being charitable, by connecting with Allah, fulfilling your prayers, changing your life, trying to connect with Allah. Yes, life is difficult. It's challenging. The pressures of society, community, the global pressures that each one of us feels. Yes, we acknowledge them, we know them. But to navigate through all of that, trying to achieve the closeness of the maker, the owner of the moment that I have now, and more importantly, the moments that I will have when my eyes are closed. When I have a connection with that owner, I'm successful. I'm successful totally. Because why? I look forward to death in the sense that I'm not excited about dying. Who wants to die? We don't really want to die now. But we say, Oh Allah, take me away when you are pleased with me. Oh Allah, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, used to say, Allahumma ja'al khayra ayyamina awakhiraha wa khayra a'malina khawatimaha. Oh Allah, oh Allah, make the best of my days the last days and make the best of my deeds the last deeds. Imagine you do a beautiful deed beautiful deed and thereafter you pass away that was the acceptance of Allah he wanted your last deeds to be good may Allah make us such that our final deeds are the best deeds may he grant us what is known as shahada on our tongues the testimony of faith la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah there is none worthy of worship besides Allah and muhammad peace be upon him is his messenger that's the testimony of faith the prophet muhammad peace be upon him says whoever has that statement as the last statements before they die shall enter paradise so it's Allah it's Allah who allows you to say these good words imagine point of death some people are swearing do you know why if you get used to using foul language each time something bad happens, someone hit your car, what do you say? You use the big swear word, S word, F word, whatever else it may be. And that's and it's normal, it's now like saying hello man, subhanallah. People don't find anything wrong with it. My beloved children, protect your tongues, don't use foul language. The F word is not for us. The SH word is also not for us. Subhanallah. The Z word is also not for us. May Allah grant us protection. You might wonder what's the Z word. Well, I don't know. It's just a swear word that might come in the future. You know what I mean? Something that is vulgar. It's not for us. Clean your tongue because one day there will be a bank. Maybe it can happen. Many have passed on with accidents. It could be any form of an accident. The minute something happens, you must get used to saying, Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar, Alhamdulillah. So what will happen if you were to die at that point? What were your last words? Were they a swear word or were they a good word? Get yourself used to this. This discipline, Ramadan was created for that. Ramadan was created in order for you and I to achieve taqwa. That is discipline. 
لعلكم تتقون. Have you not heard the verses? O you who believe, we've prescribed upon you fasting, etc., etc. And the reasoning Allah gives is in order that you achieve taqwa, which is to be disciplined, to be connected to Allah, to have a better relation with Allah, to be conscious of your Maker. That's what it is. So, my brothers, my sisters. While you're enjoying the moments on earth, bear in mind that they are temporary. Wallahi, your happy days are temporary. Your sad days are also temporary. You are going through a problem, it will not last. You are going through ease, it's not going to last. Someone has to die. Or you have to die. They have to. They've gone before you, after you. You love your spouse. They have to go. Or you have to go. You love your parents. They are gone. May Allah give them Jannah. Or they're going to go. May Allah make it easy. Or you have to go. So it will not last forever. The everlasting life is only one. It's in the hereafter. Allah gives us Ramadan to prepare for it. Woe be upon the one who witnesses Ramadan. Allah's dishing out forgiveness and you didn't get the forgiveness. That's what the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, says. May Allah forgive all of us. May He accept from us our fasting. May He accept from us our standing in prayer. May He accept from us our charities. May He accept from us the forgiveness that we are seeking. And may He change our lives. May He make us better people. I promise you, my brothers, my sisters, you want ease in your life. Simple remedy, create ease in the lives of others. Create ease in the lives of those you live with. In your house, in your own house. You're a father of the home, create ease in that home. You're a mother of the home, create ease in that home. You're a mother-in-law, create ease in that law. Whoever you are, create ease around you and Allah will grant you ease. If you create difficulty, if you create hardship, if you are evil, if you are a person who gossips and slanders, if you love to see others down, one day you will pay a price for that and it will be too late. Nothing goes unnoticed by Allah. Nothing. But Allah gives you time. Sometimes people say, you know, there was a young man and he once came to me and told me, nothing's going right in my life. I said, do you pray? He says, no. I said, well then, you better start praying, man. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah, pray. Come on, you turn to Allah, you'll get your things, man. He came to me three days later. He said, I've been praying for three days, still not happening. I told him, hey, how, 20 years, 25 years, you didn't even bother with Allah. Three days, you want him to change everything for you. Relax, man. You got to go on and on, man. Maybe 40 days of dedication. It will help. 40 days later, he tells me it still hasn't come. I said, wait. Allah's testing you to see it's a lifetime, man. Subhanallah. Sometimes Allah keeps you in a tough situation for long, for long. Because he wants to give you an everlasting abode that you will never regret. Never regret. And that's why this is a month where we should be going through the life of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. No one talks about that. It's a month of the Quran. Yes, what about the one who brought the Quran to us? Isn't he connected to it? Go through his life. Read his biography once in Ramadan, please. Please. Why? Because I promise you, he went through more challenges than you and I. He went through a lot. He went through so much. Why? For what? 
when Allah says he is the best of creation, for example, or Allah Almighty has told us, has chosen him as the messenger. Why did he have to go through challenges? In order for us to recognize that success has nothing to do with how many tests you have, it's got to do with whether or not you pass the tests. When he was born, where was his father? His father predeceased him. In order to give us good news that those who were born orphans, it doesn't mean Allah doesn't like you. When things go not according to your plan, people have a habit of saying, Allah doesn't like me. Why? Because my salary is only a thousand dirhams. Come on, come on, come on. Is the, is the, is the love of Allah connected to that? Really? Allah will give you contentment of your soul and heart, even if you don't have a job, but you were able at least to eat something, you have a place to live and you have a bit of clothing. And you know what? You're connected with Allah. That is success without a job. And Allah will give it to you. Keep trying. Don't just sit back and say, look, I'm successful. You say, why? Because Sheikh told us you don't need job. Don't do that. No. But what I mean is in the interim, while you are looking for the job, while you are trying hard, make sure you realize and you understand that Allah's plan is such. You might not find a job. They'll reject you one time, two times, three times, four times. The fifth time when they take you in, that job is better than all those other four that you were going to perhaps or you wanted maybe. So we start off. I'm going back now to the Salatul Fajr issue. My brothers, my sisters, as a brother of yours, I call out to you, I call upon you to fulfill that fajr with beautiful peace and calm. Get up. It requires discipline. See how your life will change. That is why if you look at the solutions that Allah Almighty has given us to our problems, a lot of them are connected to Providing comfort to the heart, not necessarily solving it how we want. That is very, very high. You know Salatul Tahajjud, right? Before Fajr. So the earlier you get up, the more connected you are with Allah. You find that? We spoke about Fajr. That's important. I cannot tell you you have to do Tahajjud. But I can encourage you to say, you know what? Those who fulfill their prayers while everyone else is sleeping, it's just them and Allah. They've got a connection with who? With the one who owns the moment your eyes close and your life right now. You know, in this world, the, the, the power that we have or the energies that we have, the mind and the intellect we have is very deceptive. Very deceptive because we feel we can do and we don't need anyone. But we need Allah. But because I have energy and I'm sharp, I'm intelligent, I'm good at school. So I think, no, 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 I can do things. We forget about Allah sometimes. When Allah's given us something, we forget to connect it with Allah. Look at Qarun. He says, All this wealth that I have, everything that I have, it's because of my own brains. And Allah says, well, who gave you the brains in the first place? He couldn't even think of that. When you were born, do you know? So many are born unwell. So many are born with challenges. So many are born unique. Meaning they don't have what everyone else may have. Your level of intellect is not connected to you always. No. The bulk of it is connected to what Allah gave you. 
But Allah has given you something unique for yourself. That's why sometimes those who have excelled in college and school and they used to boast and, and they were arrogant about, they find it hard to get jobs. And sometimes if they get a job, they are not wealthy. I know of a guy, two guys. One guy was extremely, well, extremely intelligent and the other guy was not so intelligent. At school they had a time where they were jostling for whatever it was, attention and so on. And this guy was clever, bragging, boasting. I got all the A's, what did you get? This guy, he just, you know, used to hide his results and so on. After some time, who became the millionaire? Tell us. Who do you think? Who do you think? Take a look at the wealthiest of the lot. Not all of them even passed school. By the way, I'm not saying don't give importance to your school. But I am just trying to show you that Allah's rizq is already distributed. It's already distributed. What Allah has chosen for you, it's distributed. Trust me, it's distributed. You as a human just have to make an effort according to what Allah has facilitated for you. Don't be lazy. Always work hard towards achieving what is beneficial for you and seek the help of Allah and don't be lazy. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Work hard. You will achieve so much, subhanallah, but you keep on working hard. When you are working hard, when you've tried everything and still you're not getting what you want, then you know this is Allah taking me where He wants. And I will be happy going where He Why? I've tried my best. I've given it my best shot. It's still not working. Khalas, I'm happy with what Allah's chosen. But if you did not work hard, you are to blame because Allah says, I gave you the energy. It's like the guys who were stuck on the island making dua. Oh Allah, oh Allah, grant us, grant us. Savior, let someone come, let someone come. They say when the helicopter came, the guy says, no, we're waiting for Allah to come. But that was Allah sending the helicopter. Subhanallah. You can't think that way. You must realize Allah will send, Allah will give. Did you make an effort? If you did, there you go. So I was telling you, sometimes Allah, as much as you did whatever you have in your capacity, you tried your best and still things are not happening, Allah wants you somewhere else. Surrender to it. Be happy. Be calm. Be okay with it. That's fine. No problem. That is your paradise. Why? It's called a rida bil qada. To be happy at the destiny Allah's chosen for me. Allah's chosen for you destiny. One of the main factors of destiny is your identity. You need to love yourself as you are. Your face, your complexion, your hair, your eyes, your nose. You need to make sure you appreciate it. Do not allow external factors to make you believe that I'm not good looking. Did you hear that? Don't allow external factors to make you believe I'm not good looking. Subhanallah. I'm to this and I'm to that. No. For as long as you are trying, for as long as you are healthy and making an effort towards your health, for as long as you are not overeating and indulging, for as long as you are trying your best, and for as long as you have been disciplined in all that, then you must remember, you don't blame yourself. Not at all. You don't blame yourself. But when you are overindulging, you are not bothered about exercising, you couldn't be bothered about the gym, and I am giving you an example of a gym, you couldn't be bothered about your life, and you are just wasting yourself, then you are to blame Allah's given you the capacity you are to blame. Do you know a lot of people who are depressed improve in their health, in their mental health simply by vigorous exercise for one hour a day.
Do you know that? My sisters, I hope you heard what I just said. My brothers, I hope you heard what I just said. To look after your body is an act of worship. It's an amana. It's a trust entrusted to you by Allah. It's a month of Ramadan. Do you know that sometimes people gain weight in Ramadan? They gain weight. Subhanallah. Guess why? They don't eat all day, but they're sleeping. As soon as they get up, they're putting everything in their mouths. What is it? All the unhealthy food and they're eating all night and then it's so they go back to sleep again. What was the point? Is it not happening? And suddenly you say, oh wow, I was 70 kilos before Ramadan, now I'm 80. It's Eid. At least you can say Eid Mubarak to 10 more kilos, right? <laughs> my brothers, my sisters, may Allah grant us ease, may Allah grant us goodness. We have to thank Allah. Work hard towards achieving goodness. And you know what? If you lead your life in a simple way, it will lead you to Jannah. It will lead you to paradise. You don't need to be too complicated. Connect yourself with Allah. You don't need to have the whole world following you. You don't need to have the whole world wowing you. You don't need to have the whole world cheering you on for the wrong reasons. Imagine. Do you know that today people have to do silly things because they want to feel appreciated online. They want to get all those likes and the wows by who? Shaitan himself. That's what it is. If you put up something dirty, immoral, unacceptable online, and then you get all the likes on earth and a few million likes, you know who's liking it? Shaitan and all his progeny. That's all. Subhanallah. That's what it is. What did you achieve? The minute you close your eyes, will that help you? No, it won't. If you did a good thing and even if no one saw it, did Allah not see it? People ask me, how come sometimes, you know, I've started and there's no one appreciating what I'm saying and so, 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 so. And what are they doing? They're giving you a hadith, Quran. No one likes to listen to the Quran sometimes. Astaghfirullah. But that's what people say. You start off a little page with only Quranic recitations, for example. You see, very few people will come and listen. And you know what? You have Quran of 20 minutes. They listen to two minutes and switch it off. They listen to one minute average and switch it off. And then people will say, well, why is this the case? Did Allah not see it? Did Allah not see what you did? Is that not sufficient? Yes, we do have an urge for everyone to benefit. And inshallah, they will. But if it doesn't reach everywhere, you liked it to reach. Remember, at least it reached Allah. At least Allah saw it. It's written next to your name. When you die, and I always say this, all that you've done is going to be presented in front of you. You're going to see it. You're going to be showing it. You're going to be uh, going through it. You're going to be defending yourself. Why you did this? Why you did that? Everything's going to be happening. And if you had something that was good, even if the world didn't see it, Allah saw it. Allah saw it. And that's why it's a sunnah. It's actually a practice of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, to have certain deeds that no one knows about, that you've done. No one, you know, Allah knows. That's it. Sometimes if it's a person you help, you know, they know, and Allah knows. And that's it. You did the deed and alhamdulillah, it was good. That's how you enter paradise. Ramadan is a month where we fulfill extra prayers. What is the extra prayer? Taraweeh. Why? Because Allah is getting you used to this prayer. He wants you to get closer to Him. Prayer softens you. It protects you from evil and immorality. Inna salata tanha anil fahsha'i wal munkar. Salah will prohibit you from 
immorality and evil, it does do that. So my brothers, my sisters, if you fulfill that night prayer correctly, it will make the five daily prayers that are compulsory easy for you. And if you have your five daily prayers compulsory fulfilled, your door to paradise is swung open. It swings open. On top of that, you fast the whole month of Ramadan. A special door is open for you to enter paradise from. You know what's the name of the door, by the way? Rayyan. Rayyan is the name of a door in heaven, in paradise, which flings open only for those who took their fasting seriously. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Some of us, any excuse, any excuse, we're just looking for, oh, I'm not fasting, why? You know, my head was throbbing. Head was throbbing, okay, fine, how bad was it? Yeah, just for about three, four minutes in the morning. Subhanallah, you didn't fast, why? Come on, make an effort. Yes, if you are unwell or if you are traveling, you do have a discount, you do have a leeway, you can. But still, if you fasted, it's better for you, inshallah. Because many people find it very difficult to fill up after Ramadan. Very difficult. You know why? When you do a good deed collectively and everyone's getting up and there's suhoor and everything, mashallah, the excitement of all of Ramadan, it's simple. You can do it nicely. But when you're all on your own and you have to fast and then you see what goes on, subhanallah. And you say, I've got so many fasts to make up. It's going to be a big headache, subhanallah. I tell you what, just fast in Ramadan. Just make sure you've done it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all of us. So the importance given to prayer in Ramadan, the importance given to fasting in Ramadan, it's all about fasting. That's what people say. But, but, there is also importance given to all good deeds and charitable deeds because they are multiplied while in the condition of fasting. Look, I tell you, you pray, you pray at home, you get a reward. You pray in the masjid, your reward is multiplied. You pray in jama'ah, it's multiplied. 27 times, 25 times, depending on the narrations, it's multiplied. Why? Because now you're doing a good deed in, another, in a place that has greater value. Ramadan has great value and you are fasting. And on top of that, you are giving a charity. And on top of that, you are praying. And on top of that, you are reading the Quran every day. Wow, what kind of a reward do you think you're getting? You get a tremendous reward. Together with that, change your life. You see, every year, towards the end of the year, 29 December, 30 December, 31 December, you start getting messages about New Year resolutions, right? People say, make your resolutions. I tell you, you've got to make these resolutions for Ramadan. You must come out of Ramadan in a way that you're not the same person who entered Ramadan. Ramadan is like a dip tank. You got into it, disinfected, completely gone out, sanitized. Not satanized, but sanitized, you see. Satan was tied up, right? You come in and you, you come out. And when you're out of Ramadan, you should feel like you're a changed person, just like Hajj. When you go for Hajj, you come out of Hajj forgiven. What is the sign of an accepted Hajj? The fact that your life has changed. Your life hasn't changed. Probably the Hajj, the Farad was done, but the deeper benefits were not achieved. Same applies to Ramadan. What is the reward of Ramadan? Total forgiveness. That's what Allah says. 
من قام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا and the other hadith من صام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا whoever fasts Ramadan with accountability and hoping for a reward from Allah with belief and conviction and whoever stands in prayer in Ramadan with belief and conviction غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه all the sins the preceding sins of that person will be wiped out completely totally forgiven just like hajj whoever goes for hajj comes back cleaner than the day they were born by their mothers what do we mean by cleaner the day you were born you had a clean slate no good deeds no bad deeds right but when you went for hajj and you sought forgiveness of allah you came back clean meaning all your good deeds are still there. They, they won't be wiped out. It's not like Allah says, okay, you did hajj, let's wipe out everything, start again, clean slate. I don't want a clean slate. I want a clean slate filled with goodness already that I've done. And I want Allah to accept it. That's what happens when you go for hajj. So there is a difference between the two. In Ramadan, you achieve the same, but you got to take it seriously. So I want to suggest something this evening. Do you know when going to paradise, inshallah, we will all go say Amin. May Allah take us all there without accounts. Amin. It's easy for Allah. For Allah to do something, it's easy. Imagine Allah taking accounts of my deeds. I'll be so embarrassed. I promise you, standing there and you know, uh, imagine Him saying everything I did. Oh no, man. You know, it's so embarrassing. All of us have things we're not so proud of, you know. But. If Allah says, okay, there's a certain deed that you did that I love so much, I want you to go into paradise without reckoning. Imagine if there was, I've said this millions of times, but I must say it again because it brings so much of comfort to my own heart. Listen to this. Imagine if there was a woman who entered paradise because of her kindness to an animal. Imagine a man who entered paradise or who was forgiven his sins because of his kindness to a dog. Whoa, I think I, I could do a little bit better than that, inshallah, isn't it? Isn't it? But the question is, we don't know what other bad deeds they had when we have a lot of bad deeds. That's the thing. You might be kind to a dog and to your cat at home, but to your daughter-in-law, you're a monster. Can happen. Or, or the other way, to your mother-in-law, you're a monster. It can happen both ways because sometimes daughters-in-law enter the home already with a preconceived idea. This is a Chinese vehicle, it's not going to work. This is a Chinese vehicle, it's not going to work. This is a Chinese... Please don't say that. That's embarrassing. It's a vehicle. It will take you from A to B. And China is spelt with C. My brothers, uh, that's just an example. Come on, don't take it too seriously. No, no, nothing personal. I know the vehicles are doing their way. They look so beautiful and tremendous. But to be honest with you, the example I'm giving is when you go in with a preconceived idea, you don't even know what it's all about. Not at all. So sometimes people are bad in a relationship, not because the other person's bad, because they went in already like they want to play rugby. Man, subhanallah, you already got your sleeves up. You're looking... <sighs> And you just entered the house. Allahu Akbar. May Allah grant us ease. This is what's happening. My brothers, my sisters, may Allah grant us goodness. So sometimes we are kind to our cats, but we're not kind to our parents. Sometimes we are kind to our dogs, but we're not kind to our brothers and sisters. Sometimes we are kind to our monkeys, but we are not kind to 
our family members. Imagine. You look, you spend hours on end, you know, mashallah, with your cat and you take it here and there and you, subhanallah, a little cat gets lost and that's qiyamah for you. And so mashallah, with all due respect to our pets, may Allah grant us acceptance and may Allah make it easy for all of us. But who's more important? Islam gives importance to both animals and humans, but tells you, start with the human being, then you extend to the animals. If two are drowning, a dog is drowning and a human being is drowning, who would you save? I hear someone saying human. Someone said both. That's the right answer. I would save both, but I am asked to start with one and then the other. Which one do I start with? The human. When I start with a human being, I dive in, I save the human. My intention is inshallah, I'll put the human aside and then I'm going to go for the dog. Subhanallah. And then you save the dog. If you got both, alhamdulillah. If you got one, still you save the human being. It's okay. Sometimes we give preference over the dog. There was someone who told me, well, if it's my mother-in-law, I'll start with the other one. But don't do that. Not at all. Not at all. No way. My brothers, my sisters, may Allah grant us love and mahabba in our homes. It requires an effort. Do you know what type of an effort? Sometimes it is because of tremendous interference in someone's life that you've made their life difficult. That's what it is. You interfere. You want to have a say in everything in the house. But leave these people. They're adults. They know what they're doing. It's okay. If they're making an error, you can very well, very nicely tell them, you know what? This is actually not how it's supposed to be. But consider what I'm saying. You know, you guys, we should be praying. Come on, guys. Or maybe you should consider X, Y, or Z. Speak in a nice way. Today, we're living in a world where everyone's quite educated. You know, you can't just shove things down people's throats. The whys and, and, and all the questions come about. They'll ask, why do I have to do this? And why not? And so on. My brothers, my sisters, in this age, we must learn to be wise when we are correcting others. Even in our own homes, your own children, they won't want to listen to you if you're shoving things. I'm the father. You have to listen. I'm the boss of the home. You know what? You're the boss of the home. It's just a bottle of perfume called boss. Nothing else. I promise you, nothing else. They'll do it behind your back. They, they might come and say, I'm going to do this. What are you going to do about it? Let's see. That's how the world is today. Have we not arrived at that already? So instead of saying you're the boss of the home, you can be the Amir of the home only if you know how to show love and affection to your family members and to talk to them with respect and to be concerned about their well-being. They will automatically want to know your opinion, listen to you, come to you. Because why? You're an important person. You show and give importance to them in their daily lives. They will give you importance as an Amir of the whole. But the minute you want to come and shove and so on and so forth, Wallahi, my brothers and sisters, all these statements I'm uttering have come as a result of what I said. Create ease, Allah will create ease. That's what it is. Create ease. Ask yourself. And really, sometimes we happen to be religious. It's unbelievable when you hear, you know, this person is doing this to that person. And you look at them and they say, They are reading Quran. Are you sure? This, are you sure? I say, yeah. They read Quran all day, but they're still doing what, what we are saying. Come on. How? You're engaged in salah and dhikr and you're in Quran almost all day, but you're a venomous person. What was the benefit of all of that ibadah? It's going to go to someone else. You're losing your paradise. Don't do that. And that's the reason why Allah says in the Quran, Man Whoever comes on the day of judgment with a good deed, it will be given to them tenfold in reward.
Why does Allah use the word come on the day of judgment? Have you thought of that? Whoever comes with a good deed on the day of judgment, they will have multiplied by 10 reward for that deed. Why didn't Allah say, Man amila hasanatan? Why didn't He say, whoever does a good deed will be multiplied by 10? No. Because to do a good deed is not difficult. But to protect it and to hold it in your account up to the day of judgment, that is difficult. If you oppress someone, your deed is gone. You swore someone, your deed is gone. You slandered someone, a whole bunch of your deeds are gone. So you might have done everything. Allah says, such a person is a loser. Go and read Surah Al-Insan, also known as Surah Al-Dahr. Allah says, there will be people. In fact, no, it's not Surah Al-Dahr. It's Surah Al-Ghashiyah. Surah Al-Ghashiyah. Allah says, Hal ataka hadith Al-Ghashiyah. Has the statements or the stories or... The news of the Ghashiyah, the one who is deceived and deceives, come to you. What is it all about? Those who do a lot of deeds, but they're going to come having wasted their energies on the day of judgment. Those deeds are either null and void for one reason or the other. This is Ramadan. You are fasting. Don't waste your fast. That's why the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, says, those who fast... If someone were to swear you, tell them I'm fasting. If someone is to hurt you, tell them I'm fasting. Don't hurt back. If someone is to do something bad to you, you say I'm fasting. Don't get angry even. That's the hadith. They should say I'm fasting because you don't want to waste the reward of your deed. Your fasting. I fasted a whole day. I stayed away from food and drink. And then comes the afternoon, I started swearing and shouting and then we want to justify it by saying, but they swore, so I swore. No, no. They swore, I just said, listen, I'm fasting. The other day, I was traveling. In fact, yesterday, I was coming in from Medina Munawwara and I had a hand luggage piece, a little hand luggage piece. They were weighing all the hand luggages. And I didn't mind because I knew that it was okay. I didn't really have anything more. I put it on, it was like two kilos more. And this woman looks at me and says, it's more. I said, okay. So she said, you've got to take out two. I said, do what? She said, put it in another packet or a bag. I said, okay. She's doing her job. I looked at her. I just looked at her for a, for a moment. And I'm thinking to myself, okay. I just told her, tayyib, meaning it's okay. I picked my bag. I went to the side, opened it, had a packet inside, put two kilos into that packet, closed it, went back there, said, I changed it. She said, you can go. I said, shukran, went off. In my mind, I'm thinking, subhanallah, I almost told her, anasa'im. Initially, I was getting so irritated to think to myself, this is a bag, this is something simple. Then I quickly told myself, you know what, she's only doing her job. And if she doesn't want a single gram to go, it's her right. It's her right. Maybe she's feeling the fast. In fact, I'm not justified in saying that either. Because even if she's not, it's okay. Maybe she's just a person who's following the rules. Khalas, that's it. I was told seven kilos, it's seven kilos. It's not seven kilos and one gram. Take it out. No problem, I'll do it. But the, the, the strange thing is, I don't know how it's going to save the plane because the other two are still in my other hand. And guess what? I just went the other way. I opened the bag back and put it in and I was gone. Subhanallah, that's what happened. So I'm thinking to myself, subhanAllah, she could have, however, still I'm trying to have good thoughts. Up to now I'm battling myself to have good thoughts or not. But I will be honest with you, 
I almost told her, you know what, I'm fasting. Otherwise, I'd have given you a mouthful. But never mind. May Allah Almighty grant us goodness. May Allah protect us. Sometimes you are so tempted to say something. At that moment, don't say it. You won't regret it. Nobody's regretted their silence as much as they've regretted their speech. Subhanallah. May Allah Almighty bless us. May He give us goodness. You know, this is a month of discipline. Look at what we're talking about today. We want Jannah. It's, it's in focus. But there are so many distractions. And the, the strange thing is we hear shaitan is tied. Shaitan is tied. So what are all these sins that people are committing? Who on earth is encouraging or whispering? When shaitan is tied, I tell you what, we become little shayateen ourselves. That's what it is. It's the shaitan within. And there's some explanation says, no, only the chiefs are tied. The little ones are still all around, you know. And the little ones are poisonous, dangerous. And sometimes, like they say, we've already become so accustomed to a certain type of understanding and a certain way of doing things that even in Ramadan, we end up doing the same wrong things. I've got messages of people telling me they watch wrong stuff online. Just to, to word it respectfully, their children in our midst. They watch wrong stuff online and they do it in Ramadan. Don't do that. It won't help you. It will mess your mind. It will contaminate your brain. It will spoil your connection with Allah. It will result in so much damage that you won't realize the damage until it's a little bit too late sometimes and you need therapy. That's how bad it becomes. Just be disciplined. Use your phones, your internet, whatever it is in the right direction. In Ramadan and out of Ramadan. I was asked yesterday, are we allowed to watch Indian movies in Ramadan? I almost said, well, if they're Filipino movies, it might be okay. But no, to be honest with you, what's the difference? Indian or non-Indian? Why Indian? I mean, what was the big deal? Why Indian? That's the thing. May Allah make it easy. <laughs> my brothers, my sisters, I tell you, it's very important for us. Don't waste your time in Ramadan. What do you want me to say? It's okay or it's not okay. The question itself should make you think, I'd rather read Quran or listen to Quran. Even if you're playing it and listening to it, it's very rewarding. One day, one of the sheikhs was asked, is it more beneficial to read the Quran or to listen to the Quran? Good question, right? Is it more beneficial to read it or to listen to it? The true answer is both of them are beneficial. But the reward is connected to the impact you allowed it to have on you. So if I read it and there's no impact, what reward do you have? And if I listened to it and it changed my life, Wallahi, that reward is connected to the change and everything that happened. Although the hadith speaks about a special 10 rewards for every letter that is read. That we cannot deny. My brothers, my sisters, do good. We can't waste the, day, the, the moments of Ramadan. We can't waste the moments of Ramadan because you know what? For some of us, this is the last Ramadan. And for some of the some, they won't even see the end of this Ramadan from amongst us here. Who? I don't know. Could be me, could be you, could be anyone. Why waste it? And I said some, but you know what? Could be a lot of us. Who knows? Before the virus came, it was quite difficult to explain to people that, you know, you could die at any time. When the virus came, you see someone healthy, you meet them. Two weeks later, 
Rahmatullahi alayhi. At least they are saying Rahmatullahi alayhi. May Allah have mercy on them. It could be me, it could be you, it could be anyone. That day, I don't want to regret having wasted Ramadan. Whether it's on movies or whatever else it might be. My brothers, it is a month of ibadah. It's a month of drawing close to Allah, changing yourself, improving yourself, becoming more easygoing than you are. Reach out to people. Your wealth will never deplete if you give it in charity. Give out in charity. Don't worry. Give people who are in need. Allah will give you. Anfiq yabna Adam unfiq alayk. Hadith Qudsi. Spend, O son of Adam, I will spend on you. That's what Allah says. Give, I will give you. Give, I will give you. That too, we are taught a balance. I mean, don't just go home and take your whole bank account and say, give it, Allah will give us. You spend. We're not saying give everything. It's a hadith, it's a verse of the Quran. Allah Almighty is telling Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, don't be miserly and don't just give everything. It, it should be a balance between the two. But give. Many of us, you know, the more we have, the less we give. It is happening. Because we want, we have other plans. I'm going to do this, do that. You don't know before all of those plans, Allah has a plan to take you back to Him. Can happen, right? May Allah grant us happiness, goodness, ease. May Allah help us to accept His decree. May Allah bless those who don't have children with children. May Allah bless those who don't have spouses with spouses. MashaAllah. Spouses, that's correct, right? It's not spice. Huh? No, they say the plural of mouse is mice. So this plural of spouse, shouldn't it be spice? I think it's spouses like houses, right? That's what it is, yeah. But it is spicy anyway. <laughs> my brothers, my sisters, what a blessed evening. Once again, as I end my talk here, I really would like to thank Allah Almighty for giving us a chance to go through a few reminders of this month of Ramadan and how we are aiming at paradise and how we should make things easy for others. Allah will make things easy for us. We ask Allah Almighty truly to gather us in paradise in a way that He has gathered us here. And we ask Allah to allow us the opportunity to meet with each other, to be able to sit with each other, talk to each other in a far better place in Jannatul Firdaus. And we ask Allah Almighty to forgive our shortcomings, to make it easy for us to see the end of Ramadan in a way that He is pleased with us. Aqulu qawli hadha wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad.